Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au Amen. So good to be able to go to the Word of God this morning. Uh, if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 5. 2 Kings chapter 5, reading from verse 1. 2 Kings chapter 5 and reading from verse 1. The Bible says this. Now Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now bands of raiders for Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you. At this time in Jesus' name, as we go to the Word of God, we thank you that your Word is powerful. We thank you that as your Word is preached, faith is released. And when faith is released, you begin to move in a powerful way. And Lord, we just uh, still our hearts, still our spirits. And Father, we sit at your feet as Mary did, wanting to hear the words of Jesus. Speak by the Spirit of God today, I pray. I thank you that this is going to be a word that's going to bring transformation and healing in people's lives. Forgive us of our sins, Lord God. We thank you that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Bind every spirit of fear and intimidation. Just let there be freedom to speak the word today, I pray. And I thank you and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, we're in a series entitled Great Men and Women of Faith. Uh, whenever we think of great people that have been used by God in a powerful way, we think of uh, people like uh, Moses and Abraham and uh, Paul and Esther. Uh, we think of some of the, the greats that have been used by God in, in mighty ways, in incredible ways. But today we're going to look at someone who doesn't quite fit that profile. Uh, she's a young girl who is the servant of Naaman's wife. The uh, Bible doesn't say too much about this young girl. It's kind of a couple of verses that speak about her and that's about it in the entire Bible. Uh, the Bible doesn't even mention her name. But yet as we look at this girl and as we, as we look at her life, she's going to teach us so much about how we can live our own lives and how God wants to move in our own hearts. Thought behind the series comes from Hebrews uh, chapter 12 uh, verse 1 which says, Therefore... Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, well, who are the great cloud of witnesses? Well, chapter 12 comes on the back of chapter 11, which is the great chapter of faith. And that's what the author is speaking about. He says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. The image the writer is using in Hebrews is that of a, a runner running into an arena in, in an Olympics game. And, and uh, as, the, as the runner runs into the arena, and we've seen this uh, every few years, um, 
the, the, the crowd starts to cheer. And as the, as the crowd starts to cheer, it's as if the runner is encouraged, gets an extra energy in, 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 in their run, and, and, and as they continue to run towards the finish line. Well, we too have a great cloud of witnesses that are cheering us on in our race of life. And so the question we're looking at in this series is, if this cloud of witnesses, if these men and women of faith could come out of the crowd and, and run alongside of us as we're doing those final few laps of, of, the, of the marathon or of the race that we're running, what would they say to us? What kind of words of wisdom would they give us? What words of encouragement would they speak into our lives that would help us? And in particular today, we're going to ask, what, what would this young girl say to us? How would this young girl encourage us as we're running our own race in life? Well, before we look at what she would say, let me give you a little bit of background to the story in case you don't know uh, the story. Uh, her story is recorded in 2 Kings chapter 5, and I, I just read the first three verses, but actually uh, the whole chapter will tell you um, the uh, outworking of this uh, great story. And uh, begins in verse 1, uh, as we read in our text, Now Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. Uh, he was a great man in the sight of his master, highly regarded, because through him the Lord had given victory over Rome. He was a valiant soldier. Just notice how this man was described. Look at the words that are used to describe this man in the Bible. He was a great man. He was highly regarded. He was a valiant soldier. I mean, this guy was a big shot in Syria. But listen to how verse 1 finishes. But he had leprosy. I mean, he was this big guy in Syria, but he had leprosy. And leprosy in Bible times was as if one had a death sentence. Uh, you knew that you were just counting down the days in your life. Verse 2, um, and, and now notice the contrast. Now, bands from Aram had gone out and taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. So, Verse 1 talks about this great man, Naaman, and then we're introduced uh, to this young girl. And all she's referred to as a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. The question here really is in this story is, who, who's the great one? Who's the great one in this story? Is it, is it uh, Naaman or is it this young girl? Now, we don't know too much about her other than she served Naaman's wife. But one day as she was thinking about Naaman's sickness, she has this idea. Verse 3, she said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Well, Naaman considers her advice and heads for Israel. He has a letter written uh, to the king of Israel. Um, and when the king gets this letter, uh, he panics because he thinks, I can't heal this man. Um, he thinks he's picking a fight with me. Now, the king of Israel no doubt knew who Naaman was. He had heard no doubt about the victories that, that Naaman had, uh, had had and fought and so on. And so here he is writing this letter uh, to him saying, you know, heal me. And the king of Israel is going, well, I know I can't do that. And so he's stressed and quite worried. Well, Elijah hears about this and says, well, don't worry. Verse 8 of chapter 5, have the man come to me and he will know 
that there is a prophet in Israel. So uh, Naaman goes to Elijah. Some of you know the story. Uh, Elijah doesn't even come out and see him. Sends a message through his servant. Tells Naaman, go and dip yourself seven times in the River Jordan. Well, Naaman didn't like the River Jordan very much. uh, And he was actually furious. He got ready to go back home because he, he despised the advice of Elijah. Well, as they're going back, the servant, Naaman's servant goes, well, look, if he'd have told you to do something great, would you have not done it? He says, he's only asked you to go and dip seven times in the, in the Jordan River. What will it take? What, 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 why not give it a shot? Convinces him to go, he does. And he was healed miraculously. So the question for us is, if this young girl was running alongside of us in the arena, what would she say? What would she say to encourage us? What, what would she say to uh, encourage us in our, in our walk with God, in our race in life? I believe there are a few things she would say to us. First thing the servant girl would say to us is, don't let your heart become bitter by life. Don't let your heart become bitter because of the circumstances of life. I want you to think about the girl's life for a, for a few minutes. She's young. Uh, she, she's been captured by the Syrians. Uh, she's forced to be a servant. There's no way she can get out of this. It's not like she can, you know, go to her, um, you know, her boss's uh, office and say, listen, here's my resignation. I've going to give a couple of weeks notice. She can't do any of that. She's a servant and she's being forced to do that. And there's no way out of this. We don't know if her parents are dead or alive. We know that she's not with her parents. We don't know if Naaman's wife treated her well or not. What we do know, and this is really, really important, and I want this thought to to enter into our hearts and into our spirits today because I believe it's a powerful thought. She didn't let any of her circumstances poison her spirits. She didn't let any of her circumstances cause her to become bitter and angry and resentful. She could so easily have started to become bitter and resentful towards, uh, you know, Naaman and, 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 and his wife. But, but instead, she didn't let any of that happen. Reality is in life, all of us are going to go through situations and circumstances that don't make any sense. All of us will experience tragedies and trauma, perplexities, things we wish were different. And how we process those events is so important because if we don't deal with them in the right way, we're going to become resentful. We're going to become bitter. uh, They're going to destroy us. We can develop a victim mentality, a sense of entitlement. And most of all, it can poison our spirit. It can poison our spirit. And what I love about this girl is she, she chose not to allow any of that to affect her. And for that reason, for me, she's a giant of faith. Um, She's a girl that did some things that that I don't know if I could have done. She chose instead to see her situation from God's perspective. If that was me and I'd have heard that Naaman had leprosy, I wouldn't be thinking about ways of helping him. I'd be thinking things like serves him right. I'd be uh, in a corner saying, I'm so glad. He should think before he acts. Finally, there is a God in heaven. 
They're the thoughts that I would be having. I know you'd be having different thoughts, looking at me very holy there. Um, But, you know, they're the kinds of thoughts that I would have. Least of all, try and give him some advice as to where he might find healing. And here's this young girl that speaks so powerfully into our lives. Because so many of us are going to go through circumstances that don't make sense. All of us will experience wounds in our hearts and in our lives that just don't seem fair. How we respond will determine if we're used by God or not. How we respond to those situations will determine how we live our lives. If we experience everything that God has for us or not. Josh Shipp said this, you either get bitter or you get better. It's that simple. You either take what has been dealt to you and allow it to make you a better person or you allow it to tear you down. The choice does not belong to fate. It belongs to you. And I believe if this young girl was running with us, uh, she would say, beware of a victim mentality. See, the victim always looks for two people, uh, someone to blame and someone to rescue them. Victim says, Well, the reason why I'm like this is because of my mother, my father, my boss. I was born in the wrong country, wrong parents. Uh, There's there's a reason why I am the way that I am. And, and, And the victim always looks for somebody to blame. They also look for someone to rescue them. Someone to say, I feel bad for you. Someone to agree with them. Someone to validate their feelings or their emotions. Someone to stroke their back. Someone to say, poor, poor you. And here's the deal. And this is really, really important for us to understand this. The reality is all of us are victims in one way or another. All of us are victims. Most of us have experienced things that are through no fault of our own, absolutely no fault of our own at all. We are all victims in one way or another. Problem is, if we stay with that mindset, if we stay with that victim mindset, if we are trapped by a mindset of a victim mentality, then it's only going to cause us to become more bitter, more angry, more revengeful, and it's going to poison our spirit and destroy our future, destroy our lives. Causes us to spiral into despair and be dreaming about how our lives could be how they could be lived differently. The way out of this negative spiral is to take responsibility for our lives. We can't change our past, but we can change our future. We can't change the decisions others have made, but we can decide what we do next. We can't change the mistakes we have made, but we can decide what we do with that. You've heard me say a thousand times and I'm going to say it another thousand times. It's not what happens to us. It's the issue. It's what we do with what's happened. It's what we do next. That's the most important decision in our hearts and lives. We can either choose to blame and deny or escape the pain that we're feeling or or we can choose to face the reality and work through that and get to the other side by the grace of God for the glory of God. We can choose to believe that God is greater than anything that we have been through. We can choose to believe that God can make a way where there doesn't seem to be one. We can choose to believe that God is going to see us through in the name of Jesus. To me, this young girl was a giant. 
to, to me, this young girl is a, is, a, is a powerful girl because she did not allow, allow herself to be defined by the circumstances of her life. Instead, she was used by God. The question is, how do we do that really? I mean, how, how do we shift our focus? Because I don't know about you, but I'm very, very much focused on what's happening to me and what's happened in my world and, and what's going on in my life. How, how do we shift our focus like this? Well, I, I believe that there are two stories here, two stories that are happening in this one story. The, the, the one and obvious kind of story is, is the girl story. It's the obvious story. I mean, it's, it's about, you know, how bad things are in her life. And it's about how terrible, you know, uh, she's being treated and, and she's a servant in a, in, a, in, a, in a general's home and so on and so on. We, we, we could look at this story from that perspective, but there's another story going on. There, there's another story happening here. It's a story that's lived through God's perspective. You see, what I believe is that God wants her to reach this general called Naaman. Not only Naaman, but a whole bunch of other people in that town. And, and, and God is one, was wanting to reach him. And he's looking around and he's thinking, well, what am I going to do to reach this guy? What's the best way for me to reach this man? And, you know, as he looks around, he says, I know, I could use this young girl. And so he plants this young girl in, in Naaman's home and, and, and he orchestrates a whole bunch of situations so that Naaman could be healed. But more than that, so that Naaman come, could come to know God at his as his Lord and Saviour. There are two stories happening in our lives. There are, there, are, there are always two stories in our lives. There is the obvious story, that the, the circumstances we've been through, the, the situations that we're going through, what's happened to us or what hasn't happened to us. And that, that's the obvious story. But there is another story going on in our lives as well. And that's what God is wanting to do in our hearts and lives. And we're going to either choose, are we going to focus on ourselves or are we going to start to look at our lives from God's perspective? Because as soon as we start to see our, God's, our life from God's perspective, things begin to change. Things begin to change. We start to see our circumstances differently. We start to see ourselves not as some victims that are, that are, that are you know, just some tragedy that's happened in our lives. We start to ask ourselves the question, okay, God, here I am in this situation. What is it that you're doing through this situation that I'm in? Question is, how many Naamans are out there that God wants us to reach? But because we're so egocentric, because we're so focused in on ourselves, because our eyes are so fixed on ourselves, we will never reach the Naamans that are, that are, that are around us, the Naamans that God has ordained for us to reach. I love the scripture in the Psalms where it says, where David says, lift, lift me to the rock that is higher than I. But bring me to a place that is higher so that, I, so that I can start to see my life, not from my perspective, but from your perspective, oh God. Joseph tells us, says, says, oh, you guys meant, meant, meant harm for my life, but, but God had another plan for the story. God had another plan for the story. Second thing this girl would say is focus on what, you have and not on what you don't have. So many of us look at our lives and all we see is what we don't have. We see what everyone else has. We're forever comparing ourselves to everyone else. If we're tall, we wish we were shorter. If we're short, we wish we were taller. If we're married, we wish we were single. If we're single, 
we wish we were married. We live in Australia, we wish we lived in Europe. If we live in Europe, we wish we lived in Australia. If we have lots of hair, we wish we had less hair. Oh, I got so much hair. It's so, it takes me so long to do it in the morning. <laughs> if we don't have very much hair, we wish we had more hair. Can I hear an amen? Yeah, there's a couple of amens in the congregation here today. Amen. So often we look at our lives and we disqualify ourselves because of what we don't have. This young girl didn't look at her life that way at all. She had faith in God. She believed that God could use her and she takes a step of faith. Those of you that look at your life and see everything that you don't have, I believe God wants to speak to us today because, because that's the way the enemy is. What The enemy always wants to look, us to look at our lives and say, look at all the things you don't have. Look what everybody else has got. But let me remind you what we do have as followers of Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us we are saved. We are filled with the Holy Spirit. We have a destiny. We are called by God. We are anointed by God. We are gifted by God. We are washed in the blood of the Lamb. We have the joy of the Lord. We have the peace of God. We, have, we are God's workmanship, says Ephesians chapter, chapter 2. We are seated in heavenly places with Christ. We have victory over every work of the enemy. We've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. If God is for us, then who can be against us? No one can frustrate the plans of God for our lives. The doors that God opens, no one can shut. The doors that God closes, no one can open. As Paul says this, For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I, I believe if this girl was running alongside of us, she would say to us, What is your problem? Stop whinging and whining. Focus on what you do have, not on what you don't have. Get your eyes off of what you don't have and start to see what you do have. Every day confess who you are in Christ. And be everything that God has called you to be. That's why reading the Bible is so important. And if you're not sure who you are in Christ, start with Ephesians chapter 1. Begin to read what Ephesians chapter 1 says about you as a believer in Christ. Be everything that God has called you to be and start to confess it. I'm a child of God. I'm washed in the blood of the Lamb. I'm seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. I'm called. I'm gifted by God. There's an anointing on my life. Oh, Pastor Joe, there's no anointing on my life. Maybe it's on yours, but it's not on mine. Well, that's not what my Bible says. Our Bible says that we are anointed in Christ Jesus our Lord to do exactly what He has called us to do. And God has given you all the gifts you need and, and, and the anointing that you need and the grace that you need to do everything that God has called you to be. Third thing she would say to us is don't underestimate the power of one small act. When we think about being used by God in a powerful way, we think about doing great things, big things, mighty miracles, great faith. Only the people that are doing big things, they're the ones that are really being used by God. The rest of us, well, you know, we're just kind of, you know, doing bits and pieces here and there. This story reminds us of the power of one small act. All this young girl did was say, hey, listen, if only my master would see the prophet who's in Samaria... 
he would cure him of his leprosy. That's all she said. Nothing else. She didn't even talk to Naaman. All she did was pass on a, a, a message to uh, Naaman's wife. But because she was obedient to this prompting of the Spirit, Naaman was healed. Greatness in the kingdom is not measured by how big you are, how much you do. Greatness is measured by obedience to God. And this young girl would say to us, never underestimate the power of one small act. Story of the construction of the bridge over Niagara Falls um, was made by a 15-year-old American named Homan Walsh. January 30, 1848, Homan flew a kite he named Union from one side of the gorge to the other. Someone on the opposite side caught the kite, tied a stronger string to the end of the kite string and Holman pulled the new thicker string back across the gorge. Process was repeated with an even stronger string, then a cord, then a rope, uh, then a thicker rope and eventually a steel cable which crossed the expanse and was strong enough to support workers, tools and materials. Finally, a sturdy bridge over which trains and trucks could easily pass was completed and it all began with a string. I want to remind you that it's a small rudder that turns a mighty cruise liner. It's that little rudder that turns a mighty cruise liner. They're docked at the moment, but in the future they might actually cruise again. Who knows? It's a little seed that becomes a mighty oak. It's a little mosquito that can destroy a good night's sleep. How many people have experienced that? Uh, Jesus, in teaching a principle of the kingdom, said the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. Jesus is teaching a principle of the kingdom here. He's saying the kingdom of God is like a little mustard seed that looks so insignificant and yet it grows to be a mighty tree where birds can come and perch in its branches. Never underestimate the power of one small act, of little things that we do. So often what can make the greatest difference in, our, in someone's life might be a phone call, a word of encouragement, a simple act, an encouraging scripture, spending some time with someone. Zacharias says, do not despise the days of small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. This young girl reminds us of the power of one small act. One final thought from this story is it speaks to us about two powerful miracles. First miracle is Naaman being healed of leprosy. I don't want us to be distracted in the story about the big story here, the obvious story in, in, in the story. What I love about it, and I love this about the Word of God, is that you can, you can see a story in the Bible from so many different angles and so many different perspectives. But the big story here is, the obvious story, is that Naaman was healed of leprosy. Leprosy in Bible times was a death sentence. And yet God healed him in a powerful way. Now, I don't know everything there is to know about healing. It's so easy to become discouraged and say, well, I've prayed for healing so many times and nothing's happened. But the Bible encourages us to pray. The Bible encourages us to pray. Jeremiah says, no one is like you, O Lord. You are great and your name is mighty in power. 
One, one of the names of God is Jehovah Rapha, the God that heals. Today we're going to be praying for that. Read a scripture just last night. And it talks about this very thought. Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever. And they asked Jesus to help her. And so he bent down, rebuked the fever and it left her. And she got up at once and began to wait on him. When the sun was setting, listen to this, verse 40 of chapter 4, verse Luke. Um, When the sun was setting, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Moreover, demons came out of many people shouting, you are the son of God, but he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew that he was the Christ. Jesus went about and people would come and he would minister healing. I wonder, do we believe that God still heals today? Second miracle in the story, it's the transformation of Naaman's life. I don't want to belittle the power of healing, but healing is temporary. Salvation is eternal. There's this powerful verse in the story. Naaman is healed and he says to Elijah, now I, I know, now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. There is no greater miracle than the miracle of salvation. You see, all throughout Scripture, lep- leprosy is seen as a type of sin and leprosy like sin starts out small, but then it continues to grow and grow and grow and has the capacity to destroy someone's life. And like leprosy, sin was incurable. Unless God touched and forgave us. Maybe we don't have leprosy today, but all of us have to deal with this thing called sin. And there's only one way to deal with sin, and that is by coming to Jesus. The Bible says in Matthew, And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus reached out and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. I want to encourage you today. Maybe there's someone watching this service, participating here today. You've never, ever given your life to Jesus Christ. Here was this man who had leprosy and and he's got to deal with this in some way. And he comes to Jesus and he begins to worship him. Jesus touches him. And he was made whole. And maybe, maybe we don't have leprosy, but we, can, we need to deal with the sin in our lives. There's two ways that we can deal with it. You can deal with it yourself. Or you can accept the sacrifice of Jesus Christ who came some 2,000 years ago, died on a cross, paid the price for your sin and mine. And if we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we can be saved. Pastor Joe, how do I do that? Well, all you need to do, first of all, is acknowledge the sin in your life. Or you can excuse it, or you can, uh, you can blame someone else for it, or you can deny the reality of that. Uh, you can go around thinking that you're pretty good. Reality is all of us have sinned in one way or another. And that sin needs, needs to be dealt with. Second thing we need to do is believe that Jesus died on the cross and confess Him to be the Lord and Savior of our life. Jesus, I recognize that I'm a sinner. I thank You that You died on the cross for my sins and I receive You as my Lord and Savior today. You pray a prayer that sounds something like that and you can be saved. You can experience the miracle of salvation for the Bible says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall 
be saved. So I want to pray for some people today. Because this young girl took a risk. I mean, can you imagine this, this, this girl? She's this young girl. She's thinking, hey, what, what if he goes to see Elijah? What, what, maybe he could heal him. It's risky because maybe he won't. You know, Naaman was a, a, a Gentile. So maybe Elijah wouldn't have even spoken to him. But she takes a risk. And she says, if he would just speak to Elijah, he might be healed. Well, we're going to take a risk today. We're going to pray for healing in the name of Jesus. We're going to pray for physical healing, emotionally healing, spiritual healing. I want you to believe that God could heal you today. Listen, these words are not my words. Um, I might have put this, these thoughts together, but they're based on the principle of the Word of God. And I believe we serve a God that heals today. But Pastor Joe, we haven't seen those kind of healings uh, in our day. Well, I'm going to believe we are going to see them in the name of Jesus. And more than that, I'm going to believe we're going to see them in our midst today. Today, as we pray, right now, as we pray, I'm going to believe that faith is going to be released in the name of Jesus. I'm going to believe that God is going to do something in our hearts and lives today. I'm going to believe that God would, 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 would allow His Spirit to be released. The dunamis of the Spirit would be released. The power of the Holy Spirit would be released to minister healing, to set us free in the name of Jesus today. So right where you are, I just want you to bow your head. I just want you to pray just for a few moments. Just as the music is playing softly and in, in the background, I just want you to just tune into God right now. Come on, I just want you to tune into God. I, I just want you to begin to believe in Jesus' name. I want you to pray. I want you to reach out to God. Come on, I want you to close your eyes. It's sacred territory. If people are moving around in your home. Tell them, come and sit down. This is a sacred moment. God is here. His presence is with us. Faith is going to be released in the name of Jesus. God is going to touch our lives in the name of Jesus. There's that impossibility in your life. Well, impossible is possible in the presence of God. We're going to believe for that in Jesus' name. His presence is here. He's not limited by location. He's only limited by faith. And I'm going to believe that faith is going to be released in the name of Jesus. I'm going to believe that faith is going to be released in your heart and mind. And we're going to see the miraculous power of God released today. Today in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Because this is our day. This is the day. God is going to move in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's... Reach out to the Lord in faith. Come on, place your hand on your heart if you need healing today. Whether it's physical healing, emotional healing, spiritual healing. Maybe you need a miracle. Maybe you're praying for someone else because they need a, 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 a touch from God. They need a healing from God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And so, Lord, we come before you. And so we come before you, Lord God. Be glorified even today. I just thank you for this story in, in the Bible. And Father, we know that no story in the Bible is wasted. No story in the Bible is there by accident. Every story teaches us something. 
And Father, this story teaches us so much about our hearts and lives. This young girl has inspired so many of us to look past our circumstances and start to see our lives from your perspective. And for some of us, that's, that's, the, that's the shift that needs to take place. A shift from a victim mentality to a mentality that sees our lives from your perspective. I pray, Father, let that become a reality in Jesus' name. Even today. Because to understand the, the power of small things. Help us to see the Naamans that are all around us waiting to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Then maybe God has placed us exactly where we are for such a time as this. Open our eyes, Lord God, that we may see. Father, remove the scales from our eyes like you did the Apostle Paul so that we can see you. And in seeing you, we see ourselves. In knowing you, we know ourselves. Lord, right now, I just pray for healing. Big message in the story is that God heals today. Father, we're going to believe for that in Jesus' name. We're going to believe for that in Jesus' name. We're going to believe for that in Jesus' name. We do the possible, you do the impossible. So reach out by the Spirit of God. Reach out, Father God, I pray in Jesus' name. Let the Spirit of God be released. In Jesus' name, just minister healing, Lord God. In Jesus' name. Father, we thank you, Father. Oh, we just receive it from you, Lord God. You're the God of grace. You're the God of mercy. You're the God who does great and mighty things, Lord God. You're the God that heals us and ministers to us. Father, we just want to be sensitive to your voice. We want to be sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit, Lord God. Minister, I pray. In Jesus' name. Father, as we move into this week, Lord God, I just pray that you would use us for your glory, Lord God. Us to be your hands and your feet, I pray. In Jesus' name. And this we ask in the mighty and glorious name of Jesus. Amen and amen. It's been so good to worship. It's been so good to hear the word and pray together. And I want to encourage you to carry the atmosphere, the presence of God with you this day in everything that we need to do this week as we're called to be the hands and feet of Jesus. God bless you. You have a mighty and powerful week. In Jesus' name, amen.